Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. Well, how did you feel about the the amount of time spent on the Sapphic love story in, in Ratchet? Was that enough? No. I mean, it's never no. enough. I'm insatiable when it comes to time spent on Sapphic stories. No! <laughs> Just ask but the host of Diking Out if there's enough. I'm Diking Out, you're Diking Out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking Out! Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that is haunted by heterosexual norms. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with author Emily M. Danforth about sapphic horror. Ooh, tis the season. So excited for this conversation. Reached out to Emily a while ago, famously the author of one of my favorite books, The Miseducation of Cameron Post. And we will get into that conversation in just a bit. But first, some announcements. Thank you to everyone who zoomed into our You Halloween show. We are recording this before the actual show, so we're going to recap the show for those who missed it on next week's episode. But in the meantime, if you haven't yet, consider supporting the podcast by joining us at patreon.com slash out, and you'll find extra episodes, community, and more. So much community, especially in our Facebook group. You know, yes, I love that community. And if you haven't yet, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's another great way to support us and really helps us out. Wait, Melody, we're not going to do that thing where we pretend like we actually know how the show went and how spooky and awesome it was and how great all the performers (laughs) were and how everybody had so much fun and it was our best show yet. Yes. Totally. (laughs) Our best second Zoom show yet. I can see then next week we'll be like, okay, so actually uh, Cecilia once again went to the hospital right before the show. Uh, Carolyn was spiraling. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure, yeah, something will come up. (laughs) Uh, I know, I know. It's 2020. Something is going to come up day of and we're going to pull through and... Just thrive off the anxiety. We are going to pull through. I have my bottles of Maker's Mark at the ready for... Yes. <laughs> to prepare me for anything that comes our way. I am right now getting together my Halloween costume, which I guess I can now say what it is because the show already happened. Oh, that's true. I was going to withhold, but yeah. Let's talk about it. You know, I was going to be Nancy from The Craft and was very excited to do that because I felt like my hair was the right length for it. But then when I started looking up pictures of her from the movie and saw other people who had dressed up like her, none of it reads as Nancy from The Craft because if you're not Feruza Balk, you just look like a goth girl. Yeah. So I'm like, that's not really a great costume. So instead... I took your original idea. Yeah. (laughs) 
I uh, only after you decided you weren't going to do it that I I was waiting. I was waiting for you to abandon it, and then I scooped it up, and I you was scooped past- it so fast. <laughs> you did not because an hour later I was like, shit. Yeah, I wasn't. Gonna I want get you, that. Give you time to, I actually to flip back. <laughs> so tell them what it is. A uh, past guest. Erica Owens from our episode about keeping it real, a.k.a. reality TV. Yeah, from our keeping it real episode uh, with Erica Owens from 90 Day Fiance because she has such a signature look, even though it keeps changing. But I was like, all I need is a couple of wigs, sew them together. Uh, so that's half and half. Get the most uh, bright colored clothing and earrings I could find. Some fake eyelashes and let's make it happen. Uh, the only thing that we won't know until the show happens, was I able to learn an Australian accent in time? And how long was I willing to commit to the bit? Uh, I'm hoping long enough. Uh would love to <laughs> hear your Australian accent. And you know... That's half the reason why I wanted to be Erica for Halloween, because I famously think the Australian accent is just so much fun to do. And <laughs> I, <laughs> and I think was... I should just I should just open my mouth and not say anything, yeah. and then you could do like a ventriloquist thing, and it'll just be a bit within a bit. It'll be drag, which is even more camp, which I feel like her style is. It's so camp, yes. and there was a moment in our interview with her, I remember, where I think I said something like, you know a lot of people are going to be you for Halloween, right? Which was my coded way of being like is it okay if I'm you for Halloween? (laughs) But I am gladly letting you be Erica because I simply have to be Kamala Harris or as we're going to call it, Kamala Kamali. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I've got my blazer ready. I've got my pearls. Should I do a double strand like she does sometimes? But really, the reason I wanted to be her was, again, for the accent. I love doing impressions, and I just really want an excuse to say, my guy, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm working on it. I will have it down by Monday. So excited. (laughs) Yeah. So, so excited. What were some other considerations? I was thinking of being... Also, past guest Cameron Esposito, uh, and again the hair—it's the hair, sort of the right length. I would just need a lot of product to get it right. But I think a lot of people would think that I just decided to not dress up and put on a button-up shirt, uh. <laughs> <laughs> which is um, my move. I love Halloween so much, but for some reason, I never really dress up. Or procrastinate the costume and yeah, I don't know. What else was I considering when we talked about it? I think just Erica, right? Oh, uh, well, I tr- I tried to talk you into being Desiree Akavan from the oh, bisexual see, where she goes to the party and then uh draws the the penis on her face. Cause I really just want you to do the whole show with a penis on your face. Because that yeah. is the height of comedy. 
Yeah, I don't know. Some would think you're bullying me for being a bisexual, and that's not cool, Carolyn. So I had to no, go no, no. I'm just kidding. I was bullying you for being Persian. <laughs> oh, should have known. My classic childhood yeah. bully. Yes, motive. I'm making you be the Persian spice of our guests. Yeah. <laughs> See, for the same reasons, people would have thought you were being lazy with Cameron. I think people would have thought that for Desiree. So. Right. Kamala right. Kamali it is. Yes. <laughs> a perfect fusion. <laughs> what else is going on? I mean, I've been in Buffalo all week recording out of my mom's closet. There you are. That's fun. My therapist today was like, how does it make you feel to talk about sex in your mom's closet? I'm like, that's... <laughs> A question I thought nobody would ask me in my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, they planted a seed. Um, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're surrounded by um, a lot of shoes, a lot of, I mean, the other day, a lot of Ann Taylor loft a lot of looking. Chicos, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ann Taylor, there's, there's a lot of organization. My mom's the most organized person I know. Everything is labeled with a label maker in boxes. Uh, Cecilia has been commenting that her bathroom, it's kind of like going to a Sephora because she has such a large variety of pr- various products that you would never consider buying, but might be fun to try. Yeah. And that's that's my mom's house. So we're just uh, sampling sampling products. I've been baking macarons all week. Oh, love uh, it. Been a basic fall bitch. I made some pumpkin spice macarons. I just made some apple pie macarons. And my mom is encouraging me now to quit comedy and just go into baking. And I think that would be a bad move. <laughs> I love it. I love that you're getting some family time, some fall foliage time. Oh, also speaking of organization, I've just been binging the home edit. Are you familiar? I saw the preview for that um, the net on Netflix. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I saw the preview for that as I was logging into Netflix to watch The Haunting of Bly Manor because our amazing U-Haulers immediately wrote in and were like, queer alert, you need to watch this. And I was going to watch it anyway because I love all things spooky and I love The Haunting of Hill House. It still creeps me out. So I'm still plowing through that. Did you finish yet? No, I did watch one more since we last talked. So I okay. watched through episode five and then we're going to finish it this weekend. I'm on episode five now, too. OK, good. I'm loving it. Yeah. Why is it problematic? I guess maybe we'll find out. Um, we've had a bunch of listeners write in asking if we've watched it, but one in particular said it was problematic. And so I've just been. Yeah. Waiting, waiting. <laughs> yeah, for the spookiest part of all, the problematic nature of the queerness. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen anything problematic yet, but so far I'm loving it. I said this on our interview with Emily, but it did just take a little too long for things to get sapphic for me. Um, if it doesn't happen within the first five minutes, it's taking too long for it to get sapphic for right. me. Right. So four episodes. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, in Buffalo, as I mentioned last time, my mom just loves watching the news. Uh, I not so much enjoy having the news on. She was going back and forth between the town halls last night, and I think it's time, Melody, that we put an end to heterosexuality because (laughs) when that quote-unquote undecided voter complimented Trump's smile and said how handsome he was when he smiles, I just felt like we reached a breaking point in that uh, heterosexuality is destroying women. It, yeah. It's just destroyed them. And that that just went too far. Of all the things um, I've seen heteros do, that was one of the most horribly offensive things. I mean, I, it's... Talk about problematic. Talk about problematic. That's zoophilia right there. Um, <laughs> because the man is an animal and we do not condone zoophilia over here at Diking Out. No, no. Is that what it's called? I don't. <laughs> when you like have sex with animals? Bestiality. Beast, I was thinking bestiality, but zoophilia um, sounds like maybe it's like exclusive to zoo animals, um, <laughs> which was interesting because I actually did go to the zoo this week oh. in Buffalo. Just all sorts of family activities. Let me tell you, the zoo during a pandemic in fall weather, perfect time to go to the zoo. Less no, crowd. nobody's there. Yeah. Nobody's there. It's a great time. Not that I'm encouraging people that, you know, things are ticking up and things are going to close down again. That's why I'm in Buffalo, because I think that this is I won't be back uh, around my family until 2021. Um, Yeah, I probably won't be. I might not be around my family, at least in where in like where they live in South Carolina until 2024, because I'm trying to find a time to schedule a trip and I'm very nervous that. It'll have to be the week after the election, and it might be hard, depending on how things turn out, to fly right. down to South Carolina. <laughs> right. And then suddenly it's the holidays, and you know it's going to be running rampant COVID, that is, um, down there. So, Are you going to be sad if they no longer have a gay senator? Is that why? Yeah. If Lindsey Graham goes out, that's one one less gay. Yeah, we can trade a gay senator for a black senator still a win. Yeah. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I think we can chalk that up to a a big win. Yeah, my parents sent me their ballots. They voted blue all the way. Just crazy Yay. that you know, there was a time when my dad who couldn't vote at the time, they weren't citizens yet, but uh, the second Bush election was coming up and I was asking them who they would vote for. My dad said he would vote for George Bush. And what a difference. Uh, yeah. A <laughs> couple terms will make. He, yeah, sent me a uh, text with his ballot saying like, we're getting Lady G out of here. <laughs> 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 so, so happy oh, to see that. man. Yeah. Melody, what's the gayest thing you did this week? I'll tell you what, Carolyn, I think the gayest thing I did this week was order a cat costume for the You Halloween show. My little <gasps> boy Josie will be in costume, or when this comes out, was in costume. Yes. 
We won't let him be in the running for the costume contest, though. So, <laughs> why? I want to be able to record an off topic with Josie. Yeah, because that is one of the prizes. Can't wait to see who we get to record with. We'll know by, again, the time this comes out, but very much looking forward to that. That was the gayest thing I did this week. I'll say the gayest thing done to me this week <laughs> was. Allie, my girlfriend was my girlfriend's mom commenting yet again on Instagram photos of us. This has been, you know, something here and there she'll do an outrageous Instagram comment on a post featuring the two of us, but it has gotten so explicit and gay in the recent weeks. Um, we went upstate, like I talked about last episode and Allie posted some pictures and here's Deborah coming in hot. What an incredible place to enjoy the sounds and beauty of nature. Dot, 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 dot. Along with trying some new titters and critters sexual experiments with complete inhibition and isolation from the world. So happy y'all got the chance to get the hell out of NYC. Hashtag mama's two daughters. Hashtag mama loves her girls. She makes up her hashtags specific to us. Um, <laughs> that one pause, is like, oh. Pause, rewind. Titters, titters and, and, cr- and critters. critters. <laughs> she thinks you guys are into bug play? Yeah, I think so. Just covering each other in spiders? <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> the only critter we allowed in the bedroom was the itsy bitsy spider, because that's all fingers, baby. <laughs> um, here's also, here's another recent comment, which I feel like is even gayer. And these comments aren't just limited to Instagram captions. Sometimes she'll see the picture and then text us her dirty thoughts. Oh, great. (laughs) Which Allie will then screenshot and post to Instagram. This last one was very long. So the Cliff Notes version is beauty, brains, and bodies so hot they could melt butter. Have a fantastic date and kinky sex after. (laughs) She wrote that. Dear Lord, why does she do that with all her kids? (laughs) Or is it just like specifically to the lesbian daughter? You want to know what it is? It is specific to the lesbian daughter. She does not do this to Allie's brother about him and his girlfriends. This is her actually overcompensating. nailing her hard and fast. (laughs) Hope you are having... Good penetrative sex. Like, this never happens to Allie's brother. It's that she's overcompensating just how cool she is with us being gay. Um, That's an SNL sketch right there. Yeah. And I have stand-up material about this. Like, it's definitely a thing, but it hasn't manifested itself like this um, with these, like, very graphic public Instagram comments. And I think it's actually an ongoing kind of battle between... She has in her mind with Allie's dad, they're divorced, um, over who's the more, you know, accepting parent. So I have stand up. I don't want to be in the middle of that battle. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, I have that joke about how she will like douse me with rainbow themed gifts, right? Yes. um, And the joke is like she took it a step further last Christmas. She got Allie a shirt that says, I'm the rainbow sheep of the family, and like a sheep with a huge rainbow all over. Um, And then my shirt says in huge black letters against a trans flag, 
accept my existence or expect resistance. <laughs> Hashtag trans pride. Like, <laughs> like, cause she doesn't know the distinction. Like it's all the same to her. Like she literally yeah, went to a website called LGBTs.com. LGBTTs.com. So the joke was, I think she thinks the T stands for t-shirts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. That's just the latest. Like every time now, Allie posts a picture of us, which is frequent. Most of her feed is pictures of us. Now I just want to write fanfic of Allie's mom's comments. <laughs> I just want to think of like what's the most lurid things you could say in like a southern accent to your daughter about her sex life. Taters and critters would be that. <laughs> also, body's so hot you could melt butter. It's like okay. So you're saying we're slightly hotter than room temperature? I was going <laughs> to say like, that. That's not that that's hot. Cecilia's hands on a Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when, when I'm baking and I haven't let the butter sit outside the fridge, I give it to her to hold because she softens that butter up with her hot hands. Exactly. So she's going to have to come up wow. with some sexier metaphors. Yeah. Than insects and <laughs> room temperature. But that's definitely the gayest of the week. I'll keep everyone posted on the next comment for sure. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I would love this to be a reoccurring segment of what did Allie's mom say <laughs> about your sex life? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Carolyn. Yeah. What's the gayest thing you did this week? Well, the gayest thing that I did... You know, I feel like it wasn't especially gay other than me and Cecilia just being awesome, fun, gay aunts and taking our nephew to the zoo and, uh, you know, helping decorate his dinosaur-themed birthday party and just going hard, you know, all in and being silly, cool, gay aunts. Uh, if we were straight, we definitely wouldn't be that cool or fun, you know, but... Uh, I think that I, you know, we're getting closer to getting our house, starting to plan the work that needs to be done. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about uh, installing different kinds of flooring. Mm. And that's, you know, pretty run of the mill gay activity. Gay Just culture, some, yeah. yeah, how to videos, DIY mm -hmm. renovations. That's what I'm into. But. I don't know. I think it's a little bit gay that I've been re-watching the show Homeland with my mom, who's never seen it before, uh, because even though there's like a lot of sex and nudity, it might not be a show you think you want to watch with your mom, but I have the biggest, longest standing crush on Claire Danes. Yeah. So I will sit through Homeland with my mom to uh, watch Claire Danes getting sexy yeah, on TV. That's I'll do a it. good idea. I think I might instead find a YouTube supercut. I'm sure it's out there with just like yep, some gay song in the background. I never finished all of Homeland. I think there are eight seasons and maybe I saw the first three. But now just being reminded of, again, how just super hot Claire Danes is, I'm thinking of of diving back in just for uh you know feeding that queer crush of mine mm. and that might be the gayest thing but but you win you win this week you get the trophy <laughs> thank you you're welcome i can't wait until we're recording together someday to 
physically receive that trophy. <laughs> right. Then we could fight over it. Yeah. It'll be like one day we'll both have the gayest thing and it'll be like mean girls and we'll just have to rip it apart and throw little bits of the trophy to everyone. Except a listener nicely made that trophy for us, so I don't want to break no, it apart. Oh no. But we'll get a separate we'll get a gay crown to rip yeah, apart. Yeah, let's get a gay tiara. <laughs> Because I know you would love a Mean Girls reenactment. You know I love Mean Girls. I just rewatched it. <laughs> On Mean Girls Day, right? On Mean Girls Day, yeah. I am. Of course you I did. mean, really, fall brings the basic bitch out of each and every one of us. <laughs> right. Nobody's safe. All right. Well, I think it's time to get to our conversation with our guest this week. So today we are so, so excited to be diking out with author Emily M. Danforth, who wrote The Miseducation of Cameron Post, one of my favorite books, and whose new novel, Plain Bad Heroines, is out today. So make sure you get a copy. Let's get into it. Emily, thank you so much for being here today. We are so, so, so thrilled to be diking out with you on such a big day for you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What a better day to dike out. Right. Yes. We're so excited. Uh, your novel, Plain Bad Heroines, is out today. I feel like I read it faster than anything I've read in years. Our <laughs> listeners will know I'm not a big reader like I used to be. I just don't find time for it anymore. So it was so nice to have a reason to just like sit down with a big fiction novel and just become engrossed sapphic. in it. Yeah. And so fiction, sapphic. No less. Right. <laughs> so sapphic. It's the gayest thing I've ever read, I think. Yeah, it really is. And wonderfully so, uh, because it's just like, it's so casually gay. Mm. Does that sound right? Thank you. No, I love that. I love that. Maybe they'll put that on the book jacket for me. No, I yeah. mean, I, I think that, like, I, I like that it's, that's fantastic. Um, it, it, yeah, a few times I've been asked, you know, so how it seems like most of the characters are queer, or maybe all the characters are queer. How intentional was that? And I'm like, it not not intentional it you know it, it was, there certainly wasn't like a checklist it just felt like yeah I think what you just said casually gay it felt right to me for the terrain of the novel that most of the characters that populated are not straight right 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 and I mean I think that's the great thing about having queer creators what you create is often a reflection of your own world and if you're surrounded yes. by a lot of queer people it seems really normal that all of the main players yeah. are going to be Hella gay. <laughs> and if you're surrounded by creepy New England, specifically Rhode Island, right. that yes. really shows through in the yes. work, too, as someone who grew up in the area. Wow. I can tell that you really live there. <laughs> did you? Did you? You grew up in New England? No, yeah, I grew up in Connecticut, and it was oh. like right when I got my license, I was in my car going to the westerly beaches like in the yeah. off season and like the creepy creepy yeah. <laughs> time yeah. there's something very spooky about it yeah. there and I love it there really is something so spooky and I think that like I mean I'm a I will never be considered like a real Rhode Islander because we've lived here my wife and I've lived here for a little over a decade but like you know that doesn't count <laughs> um and so but I but I think that like when we think of or sometimes when people think of like New England kind of creepy New England gothy, I th gothic I think uh Rhode Island gets left out because it's it's this right. little state yeah. and people sort of forget, right? And I'm like, no, 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 it has all of that. It has the creepy beaches. It has like the old structures. It has woods. 
it can be a very like sort of all that kind of uh, New England setting. It's all here. So, yeah, yeah, I think it gets a little bit overshadowed by Stephen King and having everything set in Maine. Maine. That when you think New England, yeah. you just think like Maine. <laughs> and people in Maine are kind of weird, so it all makes sense. But uh, Maine is yeah, just <laughs> a different kind of creepy. Um, sorry. Yeah. No. Ever since uh, reading your book, I've been trying to convince my wife to do a road trip to Rhode Island, and she's like, "We don't have time for that." right now <laughs> and also there's a pandemic i'm like i know that, yeah i was gonna say that might, maybe the latter but yeah. like we could just um, walk around outside <laughs> that's fine <laughs> we went to um we went we, we don't live right right near the beach but everything is close in rhode island although rhode islanders hate to drive anywhere like it's you get really complacent i mean i'm from montana and you have to drive seven hours to get anywhere right, right? like to the mall yeah. but in rhode island like it beca- it's you it's amazing how you're like oh that's that's like 15 minutes away i, I definitely can't <laughs> do that and so it's like this tiny state but we went to the beach this weekend and I was thinking like we have to do this right like particularly because it's a pandemic I'm like we can be outside the water is right here like we have to make a point to do this we've got to all winter through the creepy season we've got to like go yeah well before we get any further into our conversation we do want to quickly ask you what's the gayest thing you did this week Ooh. The gayest thing. Well, I finished, and this ties into what we're going to talk about. I think I finished um, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Ah, okay. We just started it. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know how gay that was going to get until the final episode, which is, I mean, there's certainly gayness before the final episode, but then the the final episode is just a lesbian romance story. That's what it is. So were you surprised by the sapphicness of it? I, because I went into it knowing there would be lesbians. So I was kind of. Listeners warned us about it. They're like, there is a queer story. You have to watch it. I'm like, this goes perfectly with this episode we're about to do. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think I had, I did not know. I hadn't read many reviews of it. I didn't want to know. I didn't want it. Like I didn't, I just didn't want to know much about it before going in. But there was a queer character and and, and some, you know, certainly queerness, um, sapphicness in the, the haunting of Hill House, right? Like right. The, 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 the adaptation that he did, I mean, obviously in the original, um, a couple of years ago or last year. And so I wondered, I wondered, but I didn't, I didn't know, like I didn't go in sort of knowing. And I certainly didn't know even, even as the episodes progress, like what we would get in the final episode. So if if you haven't finished, I won't, I won't say, but yeah. Yeah. I sat down to watch one episode and should have gone to bed after that episode at that time, (laughs) like around midnight. And I watched until episode four, until there was something physically sapphic happening. (laughs) (laughs) So I wouldn't go to sleep until something (laughs) happened. confirmed yes (laughs) so that's where I'm at I'm only on episode three right now but how the gardener sits while the kids are putting on their show was like sapphic enough for me I'm like well that's the gayest thing I've seen in a while it's it's a great slouch it's a very sapphic slouch yeah yeah it's quite I like that we all noted that and I think I think she's wearing um overalls and flannel overalls of course she is absolutely there you go there you go count it perfect So over eight years ago, The Miseducation of Cameron Post came out, and then this is your first novel since then. And I was, uh, and still am, a a huge fan of Cameron Post. That was just such a great book and the first book that I related to uh, as a queer person. So thank you for that. Gosh, thank you. But I feel like, you know, I was excited that you, I knew you were working on another novel 
had no idea what it was going to be. We get mailed the um, advanced copy. I'm reading the back of it. I was so excited by the description on the back, but I'm also like, this is going to be nothing like Cameron Post. Like, the only thing it has in common is that there's, like, a queer storyline. But mm-hmm. but that's it. Like, what inspired you to take such a different turn? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I think... And thank you so much for saying that about Cam. Um, I... I think part of it is just that I'm such a different person. You know, I was writing Cam um, when I was in my 20s. I started writing Cam in my mid-20s. It took me a long time to write that book. Um, and then I was, you know, in my early 30s when it was published. And then, as you said, now it's it's even eight years since it was published. It's, it's 10 years, actually, since I sold it and eight years since it was published. And I'm, you know, I'm... I'm fundamentally different person. We all change and I'm a different writer and I'm interested in different things. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm clearly a slow novelist, obviously (laughs) it's taken me a long time, but I think that every book I write will be quite a bit different than the next one. You know, any book that I sort of get the opportunity to write, it'll be quite a bit different, sorry, than the last one, the previous one. And I think that's just something about like my interests as an artist, as a writer, you know, like what I want to do and the kind of things I want to explore. Um, I'd written, you know, a big coming of age or coming of gauge novel and I'd done that and um, I wanted to try something else and I love gothic literature um, this book the plain bad heroines explore so so many of like my little obsessions and preoccupations and and different kinds of styles of books that I have been influenced by so um, this was the book that I mean it's a cliche that writers say a lot but it's true right if, if there's a book you haven't yet read yet then you have to write that book, right? And that's ultimately what it was for me is I hadn't read this exact book and so I wanted to try to write it. But I I don't think it's like, I mean, I am really interested in horror and would love to do something that's that's not so much gothic but like truly maybe kind of more um in the horror vein but i don't i don't know that it's prescriptive for sort of like and then the next time she writes a book it'll be some big kind of gothic fantasia because i don't think it will you know i don't know what it will look like but i i don't think it'll look like this book so yeah can you give our listeners a overview of what this book is about (laughs) i I wouldn't even know where to start right I can try. I'm I'm so bad at elevator pitches anyway, but yes, I I mean, of course. (laughs) So my joke about the book is that it's Picnic at Hanging Rock, if you know that, which which the novel, Joan Lindsay's novel, Picnic at Hanging Rock, has more lesbian subtext for sure, sapphic subtext than the Peter Weir film. And then there is a limited series that's explicitly sapphic of the Picnic at Hanging Rock, but it's a turn of the the 20th century boarding school novel, women's boarding school novel, in that case set in Australia. So I say Picnic at Hanging Rock, plus the Blair Witch Project times lesbians is kind of like my, my joke about it. But what I'll say, I think the, this, the sort of clearest synopsis for the book is that half of the story concerns this boarding school, a girls' boarding school in coastal Rhode Island um, at the turn of the 20th century, 1902. Um, and the girls there are obsessed with a very real memoir, the story of Mary McLean. And um, I did not invent that book. A few people have asked me, and, and one guy was like so convinced. He's like, I know she has a Wikipedia page, but I thought maybe you did that too. And I'm like, dude, I don't have those resources. Right. So Mary, Mary McLean is <laughs> real. I Googled it right away. And I'm like, this yeah, is yeah, fascinating. <laughs> this is so interesting. It's so good, and you should read it. Like, if, I want if to. This it's on my list. Else, yeah, yeah, it's so queer, and it was like, 
you know, it's, it's the, she, she published this book in 1902, and the, this desire she's describing for her then-former teacher, Fanny Corbin, is so explicit. It's not sort of the couch stuff of romantic friendships. I mean, it really, she's using the language she had at the time to talk about these very, like, lusty longings. It's, it's really fascinating, and it's funny and surprising. And when I read it in, you know, whenever it was, the early aughts, I just kept thinking, and this is such a sort of silly thing, but I kept thinking, like, how is this book over a hundred years old? Yeah. Like, how did I, do I think these exact things? It just didn't, it sort of is an unbelievable book and her story is unbelievable. And she's a Montanan, so. I was just going to say, yeah, she Which grew is, up in Montana. She's crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah. So I have such a love for her and wanted to celebrate that. But anyway, the boarding school in my novel, um, the girls are get their hands on this book as teenage girls all across the country did. And they really did form societies in her honor. There was a, a young woman in Chicago who was arrested for stealing a horse. And when the judge asked her why, she said, because I wanted something to write about, like Mary McLean. I mean, she really did get this <laughs> oh like God. ardent sort of fan base. And so the, the girls at my school who are already in various stages of crush and love get their hands on this copy of this book and bad things seem to follow. And really the, the historic portion of the novel follows a copy of Mary McLean's memoir as it passes hands and the bad things essentially that happen to the characters that end up with it until we end up with the two women who are running the boarding school for all intents and purposes are basically in a marriage, right? What we would recognize essentially as a marriage. Um, and the, we watch the curse play out uh, in the contemporary half of the, of the novel we're following the characters who are making a controversial queer horror film about that curse. And of course they're going to, to the abandoned location and very strange things are happening to them as well. Um, and they have their own schemes and kind of plots going on. So it's, it, if you can't tell from that, that very long description that I just couldn't make sure <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of a series of nested stories, you know, yeah. it's a story within a story within a story and, and um, it sort of never ends. So. Yeah. So is it fair to assume that, your experiences in uh, having Cameron Post adapted into a feature film inspired <laughs> part of it? I mean, not saying that it was like based yeah. exactly on those experiences, but... I mean, I think it like it gave me insight into aspects of the process that I wouldn't have had. And I, and I think like I had a really great experience, you know, so that like that sort of piece of it like any of the unhappiness you know or the uncertainty is just not I'm you know I'm not Merit is the writer character in the novel and I, I really am not her um, yeah but I think it like it did give me I, I hadn't been on a film set before right? I, right I didn't have a sense I think like people know anecdotally like you're like oh it takes a lot of people to make a movie yeah right like you can sort of know that but it's so another thing to experience like how many people go into making this one thing that we're going to see and all the different roles that they have and how all of those people are ultimately shaping the thing right which is so interesting for me right as a, as a novelist who spends most of my time alone with my keyboard it's such a different process and then at some point like an editor comes in and there's some other people you know my agent and and friends I'll give the book to friends but it's such a solitary process and to think about the way a film is constructed and all those people shaping it that like experiencing that firsthand definitely worked on the novel and then I think like even more than my own experience as I'm sure both of you know, every book it feels like is getting optioned now, right. whether or not it gets made. Sort of every writer friend I know that's had a novel in the last few years. I mean, really, 
YA and otherwise has has been optioned or they've at least been in talks. Um, some of them have been developed. Some of them have been made. So you hear other people's stories, right? Yeah. And and I think other people. I really love the Cam Post film. I understand how different it is from the novel, right? Um, but I love it. Like I love it so much. And I just think like I know obviously novelists who aren't as happy with the films that were made of their books and aren't as happy with that. And so, you know, there, there certainly was a chance to kind of like hear some of those stories, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was more like just seeing how complicated it is to get this thing off the ground, like to get any film off, off like an indie film to a huge, just like what that takes was so endlessly fascinating to me. So it seems so crazy to, have your novel turned into a a movie and and around the time Camp Post came out was when we had uh, Garrett Conley on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, to talk about Boy Erased and just his experience of like yeah, you know, one day like Nicole Kidman's playing his very real mother like and yeah, just how you yeah. when you write something that's like personal and um and all alone and then you just have to hand it off. <sighs> yeah. To these other people and, to, and, to do and you're you're more of just like a witness at that point I mean you know they ask for your input I assume but really like you said it's so many people involved making all these decisions around something yes. that was born totally out of your brain yeah, <laughs> yeah. or or your life yeah. in his case yeah. right like and I think it, even if you have a sense or you think you have a sense of the film that's being made like I think even then then when you see that final cut like it's a different thing right, right? like it's such a different different things. So at every, every level, I think you're just kind of wondering, yeah, what's this thing, what's this thing going to end up like? And, and yeah, it, 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 it fast, it's obviously a process that fascinates me. And I think that like when, I mean, if we're sort of like linking this to horror, the idea of horror, one thing I'm really interested in horror is like notions of the uncanny. And there's something just fundamentally uncanny about like a thing that you've made or a thing that maybe is informed by your life then being taken and made into something else because right like it is it feels like your thing like it's a reflection of you but it's also the, a distortion it's a different thing and so you're it's hard to get your footing yeah. in that process or yeah I bet yeah. we've talked about the the story of Mary McLean and into going to write plain bad heroines what's some of the inspiration or some of the research you did that influenced maybe more some of the the gothic and uh, spooky things going on yeah yeah I mean I think I one just reading and rereading Mary McLean's book which again I have to like recommend so strongly and she wanted it published under the title as you know because you've read the book I Await the Devil's Coming and and there it has been reissued under that title you can find it now so um so yeah so just sort of getting her voice in my head was part of the research. I did a lot of research into women's colleges at the turn of the century and boarding schools. That wasn't necessarily specifically gothic, but it gave me a real sense of like just the level to which romantic friendships were like celebrated um, and like how sapphic, how explicitly sapphic things could get at those schools. Um, I remember a very particular piece of research where a a young woman was writing home to her mom in explicit terms about her crush on her female classmate. And the mom wrote back, like, it wasn't the kind of like, you know, I'm worried about this, whatever. It was like, Oh, I recognize that crush. I had a crush like that on my girlfriend. Right. You know, I was yeah. like, I'm going like, this was in 18 when, you know, like right. when were you having this? Cause I couldn't imagine writing that letter home from college to my mom. That is not the kind of letter I wrote home, you know, in the, in the, 90s and so uh, that was part of it and then I just read a ton of gothic novels um, and ghost stories from the turn of the century so like Henry James right is, is, a, is a great example but um, 
yeah, just kind of thinking about all the stuff that I love in Gothic fiction, like mirroring and, and doubling and, and the atmosphere, which is so much a part of it and a curse, obviously. Um, yeah. And then I did research into Rhode Island. I mean, I'm a nerd for research, like a lot of writers. <laughs> so, uh, there's like a lot of locations in the book are based in reality that I think maybe you wouldn't necessarily think Spite, Spite Tower is a real place in Rhode Island. Um, it's obviously not the, the version in my novel, but it's a place like that you can visit. And even the black apples, like that's a real kind of apple. And that was a big part of the play in the book, I think is, and, and probably why the guy asked me, you know, is Mary McLean a figment of your imagination? Because there are, there are so many things drawn from real life that are dropped into the novel. And then there's plenty of fiction as well. Yeah. So I think it's part of the fun is like, what did she make up and what didn't she, uh, but what about the bees? <laughs> <laughs> what about it? Which I'm now hyper aware of. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've always been like deathly afraid of bees. They're my biggest fear. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So in the book, the yellow jackets play a big role in yeah. the spookiness, I'll say. But yeah, I, <laughs> I've i always been so deathly afraid of bees and then was reading the book last weekend upstate and was surrounded by bees. There was like a nest close by and oh it was just God. too real. Um, and I had like a similar kind of, in the story, someone um, steps on a yeah. Are we allowed? Should we cut this out? Am I allowed to say that? Oh, it's in the first chapter. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely okay, say it for sure. <laughs> in the story, one of the girls um, steps on a huge um, bee home. Not to be confused and... with Macaulay Culkin and My Girl. <laughs> no. Right. It evoked that but, same <laughs> feeling I had watching that show. Um, so this was like. Obviously a horror read for me, but it was an extra, extra horror read for me. So I wanted to know <laughs> why bees? <laughs> um, well, I was playing, uh, there were a few things I was playing with. Like I, um, I don't think that I, this like sounds like I could make a really neat story of it in a really tidy package. And it's, it's not, it didn't work that way. This bubbled up in my brain at some point, but when I was a kid, when I was a teenager and a lifeguard in Montana, um, and I've always loved horror and some, some other lifeguards who worked at this really crummy, well, if you've read Campos, this crappy pond that we called the lake, but it really wasn't. Um, we decided to make a horror film. It was like sort of the era of the Blair Witch Project. And we were like, how hard can it be? Right. Like somebody has a camcorder. We'll just do this with like no skills, no, you know, editing ability. Um, and so, of course we had like a killer and he had a pretty creepy mask. One of our friends was playing the killer and I don't even know what the plot was. I don't think we'd written a script, but we were filming this section sort of in the woods along the river, along the Yellowstone river. And a few of us, you know, and I don't know, we were filming a chase scene. A few of us ran over a log and, and ran into a much smaller ground nest of yellow jackets, like much, much smaller, but it was bad enough. We were getting chased that we had to like jump into the river and several people got stung. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I can't say like now it would be this really neat thing to be like, and I always thought about that and thought that I would do something with it. But I know that it did bubble up for me at some point, obviously, when I was thinking about like what, um, like what would be haunting the school. I, I just also, also think there's something really interesting about like yellow jackets or, or there's a play obviously on wasp, right? Like these white Anglo-Saxon yep. Protestant yes. women, these supposedly. So there's like, that's Love an it. obvious like kind of winking going on. But also I just think there's something really interesting about like this female centered sort of wasp community in terms of the yellow jackets, right? Where the women are the workers um, and there's a queen and there are places in the U S I mean, this is all true, not places that, you know, like, like Rhode Island that would have a freeze line, but, but more Southern places where underground yellow jacket nests can get huge. I mean, you can watch the sort of footage online. They're like, they can get to the size of like a school bus under the ground. Right. Like, and that to me is just 
anything kind of hidden, right? Like so anything creepy. under the surface oh that's like yeah. laying in wait, that's very creepy to me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You know? So I think it was all of those things. It was all of those things. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Plus, this is 2020, uh, year of the murder hornet. So year I know of the that was. Hornet, right? Yes. <laughs> and I will say, you know, they're buzzing constantly in the novel. They're humming and they're buzzing yeah. all the time. And I think, like, we were talking, I don't know if you'd started recording, but about like our, that, you don't have to be a Capricorn to experience this, the constant <laughs> low hum of anxiety and I think that like that was a thing too that I was trying Absolutely. to get like that just like what does that feel like for me and I'm like oh it's this it's this sound right this constant kind of just in the background yeah so you said growing up you always really liked horror I was so into horror like as a as a kid and a teenager Melody you too yeah, but not since then. Like yeah, I fell I off. Of, I fell off too, but now I'm starting to get a little bit more into it. I, I think with some of the more like sapphic stories and queer storylines that we're starting to see in horror, especially with like American Horror Story and, and all that. But uh, what do you think it was for you that drew you to horror when you were younger? I mean, I think I could not have put it this way, right? Like, I mean, again, this is the language of an adult, but I know that I did do some identifying with like the monster, I think, like the the kind of like the, not every monster in every story, but just sort of like the other, right? <laughs> like the thing that the community is against, the thing that we're supposed to be scared of. I mean, I can think of sort of films where like, I was like thinking about that, but in the way that like a 12 year old would think about that or a 13 year old and not kind of understanding what my perception was. Um, and then early on, like I knew that you could find it, it, certainly problematic representation, but I knew you could find lesbians in horror films. Like I knew that at a pretty young age. So I knew I could watch like a, you know, kind of crappy 1970s hammer lesbian, right? Like, like I'm calling it a lesbian film, but a vampire film yes. and get like some like <laughs> sapphic making out right. and maybe have like a lot of, you know, issue, take a lot of issue with some of the other depictions, but you'd get that, you'd get that scene or you'd get the, those moments. And so, um, yeah. And I, and I sought that stuff out, like kind of obsessively pretty early on and just, you know, came to identify like so many queers, but the characters were told like, we're not supposed to, right. Like they, they may be, um, depicted as monstrous or like a metaphor for a perversion, like given the time that the movie was made, but like, of course, like for years we've reclaimed those characters and said like, I'm going to identify with them in a different way. And I know that I was doing that pretty early on without even you know, sort of understanding it. I love that explanation. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite horror movie or film? Oh my God. I don't have a favorite, but I will say the original, um, uh, so I love Haunting of Hill House, the, the Shirley Jackson novel and the haunting, the, the, not, not yet, the many, many remakes and yes. not the 1999, but the 1960s haunting yes. is definitely still one of my favorites. That Theodora is so freaking cool. Right. Like that, that it's just, you know, like, and she was, you read her as a bohemian sapphic. And I think like the fact that she was read pretty much at that time and not in this kind of monstrous derogatory way, but just sort of in, the, in this way that the film seems sort of to accept her, the character of Eleanor, right? Like she has an issue w with her and, and calls her unnatural and things. But like we as an audience think, I think at the time and certainly now that she's just pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and that, and that film still holds up in terms of like being pretty unsettling like given how old it yeah. is so um it's definitely it's definitely up there as one of my favorites but yeah are you ready to shop Rakuten's big give week is back 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Was there a movie that actually scared you a lot and kept you up at night when you were younger oh my god so many yes um like what didn't uh the first time i saw halloween uh kept me you know up. and i mean and, and i'm not the first person to say this at all but like a lot of the final final girls right like we can code as queer i think pretty easily like the laurie strodes or the like certainly the the sydney prescott in in scream like who didn't code Nev Campbell thank you <laughs> yes. that was gonna be yeah, my next yeah. question Specifically yeah. about Sydney Prescott, who is so yes. gay. So, so, right? Oh and it didn't God. help that, like, at at the time, there was par- the Party of Five, like, episode, right? The very special Party of Five episode where she, like, she tells the teacher that she's in love with her. And so there was, like, all this kind of, which I remember watching, like, in a college dorm room at, with a bunch of other 
not gay um, college classmates, and everybody screamed when she tried to. And I was like, oh god, I guess it's I'm not coming out like this month, right? Like, not screamed in pleasure, but everybody was like, ah, like you could hear it oh. echo down the hallway because everybody was watching Party of Five, and I'm like, ooh, all right, not today. But yeah, I mean, I always identified with those characters as at least a little bit, a little bit queer, and certainly, and certainly Sydney Prescott. Yeah, no question. Yeah, around that time too, Nev Campbell had. I mean, The Craft came out the same year yes. as yes. Scream, and then... I don't know it was the same year. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah I think 96, yeah. maybe, or... Yeah, that seems right, 96 or 97. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Wild Things came out around then, which isn't a horror, but, like, the right. Right. sapphic nature of that. So <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. It spooked the gay out of me, <laughs> we'll say. <laughs> Wild Things. Oh, no. Oh, Denise. <laughs> I think that I'm admitting this, but I'm sure he's not listening. So this is super embarrassing. This just stays with us, right? Like I, I rented, we rented from like the local gas station, wild things with like two guy friends and I watched it with them and, and was like super like turned on. They probably were too, but like didn't Mm -hmm. say anything. And then my job was to take it back, take the video back to the local gas station and I kept it. Yes. Because I like I, I just kept it. And then like one of the guys like called me and he's like, my mom says we have a charge on our account. Cause you, you like and I'm like, no, I'm sure I returned it. Like I definitely returned it. And I have to say, like, I did eventually return it. Like I didn't keep it forever, but I did like I'm like, no, I'm sure I I turned that back in, right? Like some I'm admitting now that I kept wild things to rewatch on my own without. I love it. I had that same kind of experience of not keeping, not stealing it, (laughs) but watching it with male friends. Um, Like, remember, like, vividly watching that with a few of my guy friends. That and Monsters Ball, Halle Berry, like, are burned in my head of, like, that uncomfortable, like, oh, we're all turned on here. (laughs) (laughs) Sit, like, very stiffly on the couch, right? Like, in the, no pun intended, very stiffly, but let's, yeah, sit on the couch. Yeah, I remember I had a friend when I was younger and we would like at one point our friendship was just like sleepovers and scary movies. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And I'm like almost 100 percent sure this person's gay now. I haven't seen them in years, but I'm like, (laughs) like probably. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like pretty. I mean, she played soccer. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which Chances automatically, are. Yeah. yeah. Chances are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like, I mean, that, like, the way that that works in every sort of, like, cliched, like, you know, like, whatever, straight, like, romance story where we have, like, the guy that's like, oh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take my girlfriend to a scary movie. So she puts her, like, it, it, obviously, we don't, it doesn't have to be, like, heterolandia for that to work. It works the same. Right. Like, you're watching a thing and you both get scared and there's this kind of, like, turn to each other, right? And, and um, yeah, it's the same effect. So I, I'm very familiar with this. In fact, the better answer to your question is, like, is there a movie you watched that made you stay up? It was a junior high sleepover um, I think the year, like those awkward, like between seventh and eighth grade and, and like shenanigans were gotten up to, I will tell you like this night, I can't, I just remember it was like this, uh, somebody who I considered like a rich classmate and her, they, she had a lavish basement with a pool table and like people were taking, it would have been the equivalent of selfies, but like on a Polaroid camera, yeah. like sort of like racy selfies where I don't know who they were going to give these to. I think the plan was to put them in people's lockers. I was of course taking none of those. And then I think probably I was the photographer and then too much like junk food. And then at like 3 a.m. the horror movie started and we watched The Town That Dreaded Sundown. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's 
some people were falling asleep and some people were probably like, you know, gossiping or whatever, but there were a couple of us watching it and it's just, it's a, the original, it, it's also been remade at least once, is so disturbing and it's such a an uncomfortable blend of styles. Like part of it is truly just sort of slapstick like bumbling cops right in this town inept kind of and then and then part of it is incredibly brutal kind of you know uh, murder scenes and it's got this sort of pseudo documentary style where we're supposed to believe it's based on these true stories so it i it it is burned into my brain and i didn't get to sleep and i remember like the vastness of montana out the windows and at night and um i even still will kind of replay scenes from the town that dreaded sundown so that that definitely would be one that kept me up for a long time after Yeah, it's very creepy. I mean, I like now like the idea that it blends so many styles and is kind of this strange, you know, but at the time I just like was like, what is this movie? Like, yeah, what, we shouldn't that feeling of like we shouldn't be watching this yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was Stephen King's It. Oh, and it was yep. mostly because I saw it when I was six years old. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a lot of clown for sex. Yeah. I had an older sister and her and her friend was watching it and I didn't see the full thing. So I didn't see them defeat it. So in my mind, there's just this like psycho murderous clown that can either pop out from your shower or under your bed uh, or in the sewer drain. So it was like a lot of things I tried to avoid. (laughs) Yeah, stepping. And this near. was like the Tim, the Tim Curry clown. The Tim hit, Curry, right? yes, like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. No. 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 Horrifying. Yeah. It for me too. And oh, really? Yeah. Just because like it was on in the background. This was not my. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay. We would just pick the ones we thought would keep like fit that bill that we'd be talking about. You know, twenty years later. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we'd just go with those classics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. It. I mean. It. it that. I know that it's that film for a lot of people. I didn't see that. That's one of those that I just like didn't see until I was older. Yeah. So yeah. Didn't I have that. Yeah. I would just get horrified by films that weren't meant to be horrors like mm. Jaws and E.T. <laughs> like, yeah. Just yeah, yeah, irrational yeah. <laughs> fears <laughs> from those. Jaws is quite. No. Jaws, ja- I mean, Jaws I, was like the scariest movie for me Jaws for some time. It's pretty horrifying. And I think a <laughs> yeah. lot of people are still afraid of the water. Like I have an open water swimmer. And I'm very comfortable, but even still, like if I like if I'm swimming and I'll kind of if I think the music, right, I'll start to get oh, a little yeah. panicky. Like if I just like let myself think the soundtrack, and then I'm like, stop doing that. You're like you're fine, right? Although yeah. there are like shark sightings all the time on the East Coast in waters where there there are there were, yeah so. last summer even up here like the Rockaways there was one. It's not good. Terrifying. It's global warming. Yeah, it's, it's, I know. It's, Someone it's just got good. attacked uh, off the coast of Maine. Yeah, like a yes. month ago. Yeah, these, like, they were supposedly killed. Cold I think. Waters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, yeah, they're around all the time. No, I think jazz is very scary, and th- I mean they're also like in our like I, I think I'm probably a little older than you, but like there was a time when Disney or the Disney Corporation made some truly, truly like intentionally scary movies. Like I don't know if you've ever seen Watcher in the Woods. It's one of Betty Davis's last movies, and she's sort of you know the, this creepy woman who owns this manor estate and has tragedy in her past. And um, I think it was like the early 80s. And it legitimately, I think you could watch it. And it was meant for for children and families is a very sort of disturbing film. Like there's backward writing. I mean, this is not The Shining, right? It was a Disney movie. There's it's like backward writing in the mist on a mirror and um, this whole kind of occult storyline. And it's really, it's, it's really creepy. I wonder yeah, if the it's Watcher on in the Disney Woods. Plus. You should, um, and if you can find it, and then find the like the the controversial ending, like the the ending that didn't make it, the cutout ending. It's 
unbelievable. You'll be like, what? How is this? Yeah. That doesn't surprise me that Disney, though, because there's so much terrifying about Disney. Like, Song of the Fantasia South. traumatized me <laughs> as a kid. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Scary no. Stuff over yeah. There. No, there's definitely, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I guess when we're talking about horror, and your book kind of has a, a nod to this the barrier gaze trope. Like, it's, yeah. it's almost impossible to have horror without having a gay character get killed off if they yeah. exist you know unless like you said it's a it's a final girl who isn't explicitly queer mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think that it's you know we're, we're we're obviously the thing that will combat this as sort of being a, a negative trope is like the more that we have different kinds of representation the more that we'll have that scarcity mindset of like of like well you know we, we never get to see ourselves and so this thing kind of can't happen to us right right um, and certainly there are obviously, um, in, in my novel, uh, lesbian characters getting killed, but there's like, there's, there are, there, it's not one, it's not like there's one lesbian character and she's killed at the beginning. Exactly. Um, there, there are a number. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, like it's, I, I still completely think it's reasonable that some people will be like, I'm just not ready for that. Like I'm not, you know, I can't kind of go there because there have been so many negative depictions for so long and not all queers have reclaimed them. You know, that's not like. I think something everybody does, but um, I'm heartened because it just seems like there's um, in all genres, but definitely sci-fi and horror. There's like a lot of queers wanting to make stuff. Right. And I just think we're going to see more and more and, 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 and kind of accept that like all the things that can happen to straight characters can happen to gay characters too. Right. Right. I know it's not considered a horror necessarily, but my, Guilty Pleasure is Pretty Little Liars. And oh, for sure. Yeah, when I started yeah. watching that and uh, Maya gets killed off pretty early, I was really mad because I thought this was going to be like most shows and be like, well, that's the end of all the queer storylines. Like, that was right. going to be the one that had, a, you know, four or five episodes and now it's over forever. But then the show went on to be super queer and super full of murders. Uh, yes. So, yes. and it was like yes. equal opportunity murder. Like no matter who you are, you are not <laughs> safe from murder in that yeah. town. So I'm like, okay, I I'm okay. Yeah. Then we can, we can sacrifice uh, some gays if it feels equal opportunity and not just like this character was brought in to um, bait lesbians and get them right. into the show, and now we kill them once we don't need them anymore because they've served exactly. their purpose. Right. Once it serves some purpose, right. yeah, some narrative purpose, we'll we'll let them go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that I I got into that late too, and I think it would have been the kind of show that I, it, there's people, we always have series like this, but where you regret a little bit that you weren't part of the fandom watching win. Like the fan, you know, I mean, I know people are still really big fans, but I would have loved like when everybody was kind of talking about it to be watching and I, and I watched it much later, but it's like imminently bingeable. Yeah. Right. Like it's one of those where I feel like I was like sort of, you were describing that you sat down, I I sat down to like watch one and then like seven episodes later, I was like, I have to keep, I have to know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Until it really jumps the shark at the end. And then I'm like, yeah, I haven't gotten that far. Yeah. I, but it's like, there's like, if. There have to be like 150 episodes or something. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, there's like a lot yeah. to to dig into. Yeah, should I just yeah. watch the first half? I feel like I have to watch it now. It always comes up on this podcast. Oh, that's my fault. I had no idea it was so gay. Oh, Nobody yeah. else wants to talk about it but me. I, I'm still waiting for a guest who's like, "Can we please t- talk about Pretty Little Liars for one whole episode?" You would have a lot of material for sure. Right? right? Yeah, like endless kind of like intersections and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we need to get uh, I Marlene King on. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And then also ask her about um, now and then 
now and then. Yeah. Please. Yes. Oh, all we're the, I mean, I know with... we know, but like just to hear from her, I think. Yeah. yeah right. Let her we air her grievances on the best platform <laughs> to do so. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I guess a, another thing, too, that comes with having a queer women creating these narratives is that we finally are getting more of the female gaze Mm. rather than the male gaze, which I think horror has been so dominated by. Uh, And I don't know, like, what are some horror movies or TV shows that you can think of that also approach things more of a female gaze and where women aren't just there to have their breasts exposed and be slaughtered for being uh, not virtuous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think there's been like a reclamation and it's, and it certainly is, is horror comedy and a a bunch of other things, but there's, there's certainly been a reclamation as is right to me of, um, of Jennifer's body, Mm. right? Like after sort of its initial release and like, it seemed like a real like misunderstanding of it or like a maybe really missed marketing campaign. Um, and that was, you know, Karen Kusama and Diablo Cody and obviously, um, um, you know, Megan Fox sort of famously. And I think like that movie is re-seen now and kind of rewatched. and I'm glad to have it like, rest- I don't know that it needed to be restored, but I'm glad people are like, have, have in the last couple of years started talking about it again. Cause I thought it was like great and funny and really smart when it came out and had some genuinely creepy m- moments and like a real awareness of, the tropes it was writing into, right. you know? And so it's great that like, yeah, people are like, yeah, no, yeah, we got that one wrong. Or some people at least are like, <laughs> yeah, we got that one wrong. Um, I don't know if you've, either of you have seen it. Like it really is a good time. It's an interesting film. So yeah. Um, it has some shots. I haven't I seen think. it. And it came out the, the year I came out. So. Oh yeah. Congrats. <laughs> so, I got to watch. You were like, I got, but you were like, at that time you're like, I got to stay away from that. I can't. It's yeah. <laughs> probably was avoiding it. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. Um, I also think that like um, not a uh, a queer or not that a, a lesbian director, but I don't know if you've seen Annihilation or either of you have seen Annihilation, which is both sort of sci-fi and psychological horror. So Gina Rodriguez is a is a um, out pretty butch actually uh, gay character in that, and it's also like Tessa Thompson is in it. It's got like an all oh. yeah. Um, um, yeah, woman cast, and it's it's uh, like what I love is that like she is explicitly gay, right? But there, but certainly like that is not the fulcrum around which the story spins at all. And um, there's like they're they're trying to do a lot of other things, like stay alive and not go crazy. And um, you know, so there's it's like rep, but it's not exploitative rep, at least of her sexuality as an identity. So it's it's an interesting one too, like a, a recent one that I saw and has some like real scares too. I mean, if that's kind of what we're talking about or that's what you're looking for, like some legitimate scary moments. So I'm so glad we're talking to you now. As I've been trying to watch more, I've been writing these. All yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's got like jump scares and psychological. It's it, it. I it kept me on the edge of my seat quite a bit. So yeah, and I wasn't as. It's based on a novel, uh, Jeff Van, Vandermeer's novel of the same name, and I wasn't. I have not read that novel yet, but um, certainly I thought the, the film was interesting. So nice. Yeah, I don't know. Do you? I mean, do you all have thoughts about that? Like folks that have done it well, in the, especially like in the TV scape, I guess. Yeah, for for all my issues with Ryan Murphy, I think maybe because he's a gay man, it's not the typical male gaze with him. And it's more of like a celebration of women and their fluidity, especially like the coven season of American Horror Story and then the use of Sarah Paulson 
and you know, and then and everything, he, right, right. <laughs> that yeah. um, e- even though I think that he doesn't give intimacy uh, between women equal treatment of other intimacy we see in his things, but mm-hmm. that's just me being pervy and wanting to see more women doing it uh, on screen. <laughs> Uh, to the level that Darren Chris is doing it. We just want to yeah. see. <laughs> just, if we're talking about equal opportunity, yeah. the request would be, yeah, fair enough. Like, no, I mean, I think I've watched, like, not every season of American Horror Story. There are so many, but many. And I would agree that like, it doesn't, it, it is a different gaze, a queer gaze. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, absolutely. And I mean, I think I saw someone say that they, I don't know if you, either of you watched Ratchet. Yes. I saw a few people say, okay, mm-hmm. so like say like that's, that we should just count that as an, another season of American Horror Story, right. even though it wasn't called that. So yeah. yeah. Well, how did yeah. you feel about the, the amount of time spent on the Suffolk love story in, in Ratchet? Was that enough? No. I mean, it's never no. enough. I'm insatiable when it comes to time spent on Suffolk stories. No! <laughs> just ask but, the host of Diking Out if there was enough. <laughs> but What? What? Uh, what? There was like more explicit sex stuff between her and the male uh, guy staying at the hotel. And I'm like, "Uh, I would have loved to seen a weird role play play out between her and Cynthia Nixon. Like that would have been weird and hot. And that's my favorite thing. Weird and hot. More of that. Mm. Yeah. 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 That is. Um. There, there was a lot of weirdness in that show, but yeah, it was not always combined with hotness for sure. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like the one scene where she's getting it on with Cynthia Nixon. It's like for two seconds and then Cynthia Nixon has to leave to vomit. And I'm like, all right. Uh, you know, yeah. 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 Um, I didn't watch all of Scream Queens, but I don't know just how gay that one got. You'd think or sapphic rather. Yeah. Yeah. Since there are so many female. Yeah. I didn't get in into that. that one either. I just remember like, a random bisexual. Um. <laughs> They're always random. No, <laughs> random. There Sorry, might be random. one. Yeah, I I do think I watched some of that and thought it was really interesting and not and, and it's like completely gone. That's the th- I mean I know I'm sure you would talk about this on the show all the time, but like there's so much now. There's so much content that I'm constantly like making lists and like I'm going to get to that and Same. then I find that like I've. I read a lot and, and it's less so I think I retain the books a little bit more but I can watch a whole thing and like I six months later have like not very little recollection that I watched it or be able to tell you much about it right. so not like those things that I feel like we watched right like I'm collectively here now we when you're younger that are so lodged in my brain but like there's so much now right that I'm... So you had to go to a store <laughs> yes. to get it you had to steal it from your friends and then like their mom was calling and being like hey this video is expensive yeah 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 so i but i still like i think like books imprint upon my brain a little bit differently than than films do um i don't know if you know I, like i know you said that like you're kind of getting back into reading there's a great um there's two books now by a writer named Tasman Muir called Gideon the Ninth. Um, and uh, the first is Gideon the Ninth, and then it's Hera the Ninth. And they're really speculative sort of fantasy, like lesbian necromancers in space. Um, and and you definitely get some like humor and like plenty of kind of like uh, like um, sapphic content. So I would recommend those. I'm a huge Sarah Waters fan. And like she's got a novel of fin- affinity that's very creepy and very sapphic. I mean, all of her stuff is really sapphic, but if we're saying sort of in the horror vein, the gothic vein, um, she would be one. So 
Um, and then I'm sure you've read Carmen Maria Machado's um, Her Body and Other Parties, which is like, um, oh, yeah, yeah, short stories and like has certainly horror and gothic elements. And, you know, all of those are in there, too. She also did like a reissue of Carmilla, right? Like the lesbian vampire story right. that, that started it all. She mm-hmm. edited a version of it. Um, and it's fantastic and definitely like ups the queer factor. And it's like she's the right guide through the text. So is there any young adult good horror yeah. I don't know necessarily about sapphic because I don't read a lot of fiction your book actually got me on a f- fiction kick and I love young adult fiction nice. um nice, so I just nice, ordered nice. a bunch none of it's horror but no that's I okay yeah love YA yeah well I would say like one one thriller that would like so will fall under like the big umbrella of horror is Melinda Lowe's A Line in the Dark um, and it's, it's definitely more sort of like thriller psychological kind of horror, but it is YA and it does very much have a sapphic storyline and a real mystery, um, of sort of like a willingness to write an unlikable character. So a line in the dark is one that I can recommend that combines both of those by an out, you know, lesbian YA author. So yeah, awesome. definitely say that one. And then if you're looking for something, it's not YA, but I, I like one of my favorite horror reads that I read this year, and I don't know how the author identifies, but that has a out sapphic character in it is a book called the return um by by rachel harrison and it's like it the real simple premise is like uh one of their one of their college group of friends goes missing and then mysteriously returns i think like one or two years later and and there's not a lot of like nobody really knows where she is and she's not saying much and they all meet up at this hotel in the woods to kind of like have a like let's have a reconnection weekend and and it and things get very bizarre so and one of the characters in that novel is is out and talks about she dates models because of course she does right? yeah. So, yeah it's just so easy yeah <laughs> yeah well, what do you find scarier books or seeing uh like tv or, or movies that are scary Definitely books. Yeah, yeah. I'm such a like fiction nerd. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you can cl- you can shut a book. I get it in the same way that you can close your eyes. Um, and the soundtrack is a part of it. Like I know that can that can work on me. Like I said, like I one of the scariest things that's happened to me like not that long ago that I think about still all the time is I had my. Um, I just had like, you know, like my music on shuffle, like playing on my computer. And I was doing, I was like cleaning around the house and it was right at that time where it was starting to get dark and I hadn't turned the lights on yet. And I don't know even why I have this song, but it was like, you know, when it's just like shuffling through your music library and you're like, now I'm listening to a Christmas song and maybe I'll skip it or whatever. (laughs) And the theme song from Halloween came on and it was just the theme song and I was fine. And like, there was nothing going, but, but I stopped like and and sort of like wouldn't move and like just just like hearing that song and didn't even want to go over to my computer to like shut it off and so I I should say like while books scare me like soundtracks can have a real effect in in movies but no I think it's like the book worms its way into my brain in a way that you know the other other stuff doesn't and I feel like I can't turn it off so yeah but I like it I mean I keep going back to them yeah Are you on social media less than the average person then? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Teach yes. us how to yeah, no, do that I, lesson. Read more. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I, I, maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. There's not time to do everything. Yeah. yeah. So. That's what I love too about uh, reading your book was that I was doing that for uh, a couple hours before I went to bed every night. And I'm like, wow. I feel so much better uh, spending the last two hours of my day reading about like 
this queer boarding school and like yeah. haunted Rhode Island than being on social media. Maybe I should do this more. <laughs> yeah. a lifestyle it's change. amazing, right? Like how you like feel that. I mean, I've been doing this. Th- Everybody knows these tricks. I'm not, but I've been doing the thing for a while of leaving my phone, like in the kitchen right. plugged in. Like I don't Get, take like, it into the bedroom clock. at all. And yeah. and we were watching the news before we went. That's so stupid. Oh, like gosh, why are you, yeah. why are you doing, why, why are you watching do Rachel Maddow? Like that doesn't make <laughs> any sense right now, which also tells you how early I go to bed, which is like 9 PM. And so, um, um, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm in a, in a good habit now of absolutely reading before bed and it's the best thing. It's just yeah. the best, it's the best thing. Well, speaking of social media, you, the way you write about social media in the book too, is its own little horror story. Um, I feel like <laughs> yeah. you do a very good job capturing this like modern digital anxiety, uh, we all have like, not just with social media, but like even navigating texting or just like digital communication like (laughs) I really felt that (laughs) thank you yeah like how do you like how are you how are you representing yourself how are you being perceived like how do you even trust like the you know what you're getting right like which is such a basic like who do you even you know I mean I think one question early on in the novel is like one of the characters is getting some texts and she's like I'm not even sure if these are actually from the person that says she's sending them right like you know and I just think like I don't know I don't know if it's part of it is is probably part of it is just my general disposition but I think part of it is a little bit my age I didn't I didn't have a I didn't have a computer through college. I was able to do college just like using the computer lab. Analog. I know that makes me feel so <laughs> but I didn't I just didn't have a laptop. So I didn't do like the whole AOL thing. I never had that dial-up experience ever. And then I didn't get a, a smartphone until I was 30 and going on the job market. Um, and so I had a cell phone in between there, but I didn't have like a phone that connected to the internet. Yeah. Right? And so I think that I just um I relate to it differently and I don't, it moves so quickly right. to me to me, and I can't quite like, I don't know how to like wade into the stream a little bit, you know? So I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm sure that does crop up in the book. Like I understand it, but I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't, I just don't <laughs> quite get it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? Do I, I, I am like, like, like so many horror writers, I think like I, I say that I don't believe and I think that's true until it's, you know, 2 a.m. and a strange sound has has rattled through the house and like particularly we have dogs and the dog's ears are perked up, yeah. right? And there may be like a low growl. And then there's at least 5% of me that's willing to believe. Yeah. So like I do have like a fearful, fear response capacity to believe and like let myself go there. But most of the time, um, I think like I'd like to. But I just like haven't seen any evidence like in the waking hours, right? Yeah, in your house because I did read this morning that your house might actually be haunted. Well, Um, we have a dog sitter who said we have a dog sitter who says that he thinks that it's haunted because it's very old and did kind of house what some kind of. Yeah, it Witchy. was like it was a lyceum for like this for spiritual spiritual progressives. Um, okay. That's what it was built for, and so they would come here to commune with the dead. That's what they would have seances. Whoa! Um, and so you would think, like, yeah, if anywhere was going to be haunted, right? Yeah, this yeah. would be the place. And but I gotta tell you, like, we've lived in a lot of old buildings and houses, and like this this one just doesn't. It just doesn't seem scary to me. Like, it just doesn't. We've been here for a few years. We're not new to it. And it's just not, like, it doesn't, I don't feel like there's a weird energy, you know? Like, I don't know how else to, um, 
but the, but we do have one dog sitter who's, who's, who's like, you know, is a former student of mine and who's watched the dogs for a long time. And he says otherwise, he does not have like specific instances to relate, but he just feels like it's definitely haunted. So he's gotten a bad <laughs> feeling. So he's gotten a vibe. Yeah. He's gotten a vibe. Yeah. I would <laughs> like to believe in ghosts. I think it's really interesting, but I just, I just, I, I am incredulous, you know, until things get really scary and then I'm willing to believe <laughs> for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I are closing on a house, hopefully. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Next month. And we found out that lesbians used to live there or I got a copy of a permit from the 80s. It's two women, nice. different last names. They're both deceased now, but I was bummed that they didn't die in the house because we were really <laughs> hoping for lesbian ghosts. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to be haunted by Anita and Dolores. Uh, oh, that's the best couple's <laughs> right? name. Oh, right? <laughs> so good. So yeah. we'll see. I, we'll see once we move you, in. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Like they maybe they didn't, but then but maybe they've decided to come back for some reason. Yeah. 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 I hope that that was like their happy place that they want to kind of go back and and yeah. visit and haunt. Uh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Congrats. Like that's really fun. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love. I mean, I de- I love. I always like. You know, when you're saying like, what are your earliest sort of seeds of of horror? Like my favorite thing, way before like watching horror movies or reading whatever, it was just asking people all the time to like say like what like what's a scary true story like what's the scariest thing that happened to you right or yeah. like you know like that kind of urban legend sort of thing and that still is one of my favorite kind of icebreakers and people often have them attached to like their house right or this place i lived mm-hmm. or this you know like a haunted location and those are that's that's always my favorite way in like you know to kind of get to know somebody like what's the thing that happened you know that scared you so that's a good one everyone has one everyone has one and they're usually like really interesting stories you know I mean obviously sometimes I suppose they could be pretty triggering for some people they wouldn't (laughs) want to tell you but you know hopefully it's just a like oh this thing happened to me in high school when I was you know and yeah yeah. That reminded me of something I read today in um, an Autostrato article. Just I was reading about sapphic horror and whatnot, and someone wrote, horror is a women's genre, really, because so much of our understanding of the world is shaped by fear. Mm. And I found hmm. that to be very... Oh. Damn. Right. Yeah. Right. Nice. Nice, nice. Yeah. Because a lot of... Yeah. When I think about a lot of the fear that I have, like day-to-day like a lot of it is very much tied to existing as a woman in this world like Mm. you know the scariest Mm. things that have happened to me in life definitely tie back to that um Mm. so I don't know with with that being said maybe my next question might might be a little bit much but I was going to ask what scares you the most (laughs) what's oh no oh gosh how much on a deep personal level how much time do you have (laughs) um (laughs) I mean, I like the big one. I absolutely fear death. There's no question. Um, and I, like sometimes I can get to a place where I kind of like can be rational about it or even maybe positive about it. But like it's there. Yeah, like I can't. that. Cre- you can't. Yeah. Like, nope. <laughs> I, can't. <laughs> I absolutely can't. Um, like in a more painful way, like I fear like what will happen to the people that I love, you know, and like pe- just security. And this time when we're all feeling, I think like if you're paying attention at all, uh, and even if you're not pretty insecure about a lot of things, right. I think like that's a, um, it's easy to like leap quickly to big fears. And so just like, w- will my family be safe and, 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 and will the world be safe? I don't know. Like I have like a, a lot of really big excess that that keeps me up at night all the time. Um, but I also feel like just like a more fun answer, like it's not fun. I don't want to say this is fun, but like a more kind of like, what's a horror movie sort of thing that you fear? I absolutely fear home invasion, right? Like that, Uh. like those movies are terrifying to me. And just the idea of somebody 
being in your house. I'm not talking a ghost. I'm saying like somebody being in your yeah. house is not supposed to be like in your the house Golden or... Gate Killer. I don't know if yes. you saw that yes. series. Um. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Somebody being in your car that's not supposed to be in your car. People that are places near you that aren't supposed to be there is a real like palpable kind of like goosebump fear to yeah. me. So. What about, can I ask about it back, like your fear, big fears? I I can, mine's kind of informed by some trauma, but I was in a really bad car wreck. Um, oh. And the way it manifested in the aftermath, I was diagnosed with PTSD from it. It was like a blow from behind on the mass pike, like multiple cars and tractor trailers involved, right? And my car was like flipping. So then after that, for two years, I was constantly, in my mind, I legitimately thought someone was behind me with a gun and in therapy like just a gun aimed at the back of my head and then I later found out through therapy that was just because I hold trauma in that part of my body and I don't feel safe from behind because of the car accident but it still creeps up sometimes it used to be like constant for a couple years Mm. and now it'll happen like once or twice a year I'll have just like a panic attack and Mm. thinking there's someone behind me with a gun. Oh my god. <laughs> As I'm walking through <laughs> Brooklyn at midnight. But um <laughs> I uh, never would have thought of that, but it makes complete sense when you say it like the way that those two things would get linked. And I just having lived out here, there's uh, there are a few things scary. I I hate traffic and the mass pike is horrifying to me. Mass it's horrifying. Yeah. So, yeah. It was a mass oh hole god. who <laughs> started it, <laughs> you know. I didn't want to assume. Hit me, no. yeah, sent me tumbling around. Yeah, it's nuts, but it's so weird how mm. that plays out and still yeah. does. This was in like 2009. Mm. Oh, and then I came out right after. Yep, the year that Jennifer's body came out. Yeah. <laughs> to, to bring it all back around. <laughs> yeah, it's also probably why I didn't see the movie. <laughs> Just, sure enough, yeah. Hold up. Anyways, Carolyn. A <laughs> couple of things going on. Oh, my God. Yeah, jeez. Well, when you talked about, like, all the things going on in the world, I'm like, that's why I'm hoping for lesbian ghosts. Like, I want something to be scared of that's, like, not rooted in reality and that's more silly. Like, I'd much rather be haunted than have four more years of Trump. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, to me, it, yeah. To me, that's yeah. terrifying. Uh, but I guess... I don't know. I think my fears have changed over time. Definitely. I mean, it messed me up for a good 10 years of my life. Um, I really like changed a lot of my behaviors growing up around that. Like I wanted to sit furthest away from um, the doors in my house. I don't mm. know what, cause I was like, Oh, if he comes in from a door, then I'll at least be like two steps further away from him than everyone else. Like oh, wow. crazy stuff wow. like that. Um, then I eventually got got over that. Now the time that I get like the most like paralyzed by fear is being close to an edge. Oh, which someone okay. once told me that part of that is um, it's not the the fear of falling; it's the fear of that you might jump. And I've heard that. And too, ever yeah. since somebody told me that, then that got into my head, and I'm like, well, now I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> like, am I secretly like, do I have repressed thoughts of jumping or no? I don't think so. I don't know. But like, uh, I was driving recently on I think the Queensboro Bridge, and there's like this one lane that I'd never driven on before, but it's like out 
side of the covered part and you're just you feel like you're just driving along the side of the bridge and the water is like right there and I was just like eyes straight ahead like normally bridges don't freak me out but I felt like I was driving on the outside of the bridge and the whole time I my arms were just like so stiff and I'm like just breathe just breathe (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, no I that would that would absolutely do and you said it was night it was night as well in addition when you were driving on the no 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 that was during the day in my mind as you were telling that I made it my my wreck was at night (laughs) your wreck was at night. oh my gosh that's Oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. horrifying. No. Yeah, and, and like whenever I see people taking pictures um by edges like on the edge of a cliff or whatever. So I went to um yeah. uh Sedona and I did the Devil's Bridge hike, which is like that narrow strip of land that everybody poses on and I'm like I'm going to confront my fear and I'm going to go and stand on this thing and get my picture taken. And I couldn't even make it to the part that, like, looks the thinnest. Like, the picture of me is definitely me standing on the fattest part of that uh, bridge. Uh, And then I got so much anxiety just watching everybody else get their pictures taken. I thought I was going to vomit. You know, people were, like, jumping in that spot. And when you're looking at it, it looks like it's just, like, two feet wide. In reality, Mm. it's maybe six feet wide but that's not wide enough for I me. don't know yeah <laughs> to me that's just like terrifying uh yeah. yeah no I don't I don't have a fear of heights but I do know what you mean and I've read about that I don't remember the term but that thing about edges right yeah like, and, and it, yeah it's interesting that like you had one fear and then somebody told you that and then it's sort of replaced by another fear but it's like a linked fear right yeah it's, it's yeah. like I could be there, high up on on a mountain I can be in an airplane I'm fine right. but it's like right. once I get to the edge of the the cliff yeah totally i'm done there's an opportunity of like yeah like yeah i'm not yeah i i feel like i'm as you're saying that i'm kind of feeling that like heartbeat increase of like what that's like yeah yeah i felt i I, I, you probably saw the um was it called uh free solo the rock climbing and i did you did you see this the 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 rock climbing doc that you know he Climbs with, and there's lots mm-hmm, of people right. with no, yeah. And I had that the whole time watching that, that just that kind of like, you know, uh, heart in throat feeling of watching. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole film. Yeah. Yeah. But I know what you meant earlier. I was like the lesbian wanting to be ha- haunted by lesbian ghosts. Like I wanted to say this. One of the things I think, like, even when I read really disturbing stuff, um, there is this, and, and it, and like, and it's in a book. Like, there is this sense of like, you know, you know that somebody wrote this down, right? Most of the time, because I'm reading fiction, I know that somebody invented it. Yeah, and that's that still feels like a safe kind of horror for me, even if it takes me to places where I'm uncomfortable or I'm having to think about things or whatever. Like, there's still a safety in knowing, like, this is not this is something an experience kind of trapped into words and put on a page, and I can process it and I can step, I can think about the scene, I can reread it. You know, it's a very different. Yeah. kind of safe horror um and safe way to think about things and not the yes the existential horror of the larger world and what's happening to it yeah. on a daily basis yeah. that's most of my fears yeah yes I was gonna say the <laughs> existential kind the ones that are not so much fun to talk about on a podcast yeah. right <laughs> the the capricorn uh in me is also like any situation with like being out of control and not having any control in a situation, I think, also is a, a big fear of mine, which brings me back to being a, a a queer little teenager and getting into witchcraft and Ouija boards and magic and and all of that and as like a way to look for 
control in my life or wanting control mm. or that's why that kind of stuff seemed appealing. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. At least that's what my priest told me it was. <laughs> oh, that's a very Capricorn <laughs> trait, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. after the car accident, I'm fine in a car on the highways if I'm driving. But if I'm in the passenger seat, like that's when I'm just horrified and I get like a lot of the PTSD like flare up because I need to be in control. Yeah. Of it. Like I'm fine to jump back in the car and had no problem after the accident mm. right away. But mm. it's very hard to be in the passenger side seat. Mm. And that's just that's a traumatized Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So your book comes out today. And is there anything else that you want our listeners to know about playing bad heroines or, you know, who should get this book other than everybody who's listening? Like who, who who's really going to love this? <laughs> who should they buy it for? Who should they buy it for? I think if you yes. have, yeah, like friends that are into uh, gothic stories or metafiction, if they like metafiction stories about stories, um, there's illustrations in the book by a great, queer, um, uh, illustrator, Sarah Lautman. So, um, and, and like the finished copy of the book is pretty, um, it's like, it's pretty beautifully designed. It is. Like it's a cool, it's yeah. a, which plays with this, like the themes of the book and the time period. Like it's a, it's a cool object and there's a lot about the book as objects. So yeah, if people like sort of creepy nested fictions, um, with a lot of lesbian characters, this might be for them. So yeah. yeah, get it for yourself. Get it as a gift. Uh, you know, tis the the season coming up and it's yes. It's a great book. I really absolutely loved reading it. So thank you for creating content for for us queers. Quality content for us queers. There's a lot of content, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you for getting us reading specifically. <laughs> You are so welcome. Thank you for creating quality content for queers. And oh. I have to like embarrass you and say that I, I have listened, but my wife is like a super fan. I love that. And never misses an episode. I and it. I actually was like, you should come and say hi. And she's like, no, no, I can't. So oh. <laughs> just so you know, I'm like, just come and wave. She's like, no, I couldn't. I couldn't possibly. And I'm like, okay. But I'll hear her sometimes like we, we have like a little like we have workout gear. I will not call it a gym. In the basement, but she's like free weights. And I'll hear her down there. She's very serious about her workouts, working out sometimes and then laughing. And I know that she's listening to you. So that's good. Like, it's a good, like, she's got a great laugh. And I'll be like, oh, I know what she's listening to. Yes. She's got on. Oh, what an endorsement. I love it. Yes. That brings me so much joy. Uh, Where can people find you on social media? And, And also, is there a specific bookstore that you would like people to purchase from? Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking that. Um, it's, um, it's called, uh, books on the square, um, Savoy and it's, or bank street books and it's in Westerly, Rhode Island. And you can find the link to that through my Instagram, which is the only place that I'm actively, um, on, on social media. If you want, like, if you think you might want a signed copy, that would be the place. Otherwise just, just any indie bookstore, your favorite local indie bookstore, which I hope you have is a great place to buy it Mm -hmm. from. But, um, otherwise there is a link on my Instagram, um, there's a post to a, a bookstore that's selling signed editions if you think you'd like one of those. Well, Emily, it was so great to meet you and I had such a great time diking out with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank both of you. This was really fun. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks for having me. That was so much fun. I was so excited to have this conversation with Emily and talk about horror. And now I just want to stop recording and finish watching all the things that she talked about. (laughs) Finish watching Bly Manor, but then also everything else she mentioned. Some of it I definitely need to revisit 
Jennifer's body because yeah. that was something I like barely remember My main that. takeaway. I mean, I need to watch it for a first time. Yeah. But I'm out and proud. Also, what was it? The Perfection? Really want to watch that? <gasps> but I also want to just read her book again. I'm not kidding, listeners. It combines at least three of my great loves, um, New England, Hollywood, yes. Celesbians. Celesbians. It has it all. <laughs> Sapphic love. And bees. And bees. No. Right? Okay. Let me, Yellow let jackets. me clarify. I, in the moment, I was really flustered getting the question out, why bees? Because I didn't say it at the time, but I didn't say why I'm afraid of bees. So I just like to clarify. In the book, the character steps on a um, nest that had started because it was on the ground and then like had turned into an underground, like huge layered home of bees and they all came. Which I didn't know was a thing. And then when she just said that some of them are the size In of the school South, buses, yeah. well, let's all just jump off a New England cliff right now and <laughs> get as far away we can from those bus hornet nests. <laughs> Or yellow jackets, yellow jackets. Yellow jackets, yeah. And i that's what I was stung by, too. I, mine wasn't underground. I had a, like, swing set in my backyard when I was a kid. And there was a yellow jacket hive in the chain that had formed, like, in the spring. Like, I hadn't been swinging on the swing for months. And in that time, there had been a hive built in the, like, chain links of my swing so my sister and I got on she swung on the swing that did not have the hive I swung on the swing that did have a hive in it we immediately heard the buzzing we noticed what was happening and we start to run we're in a dead sprint because a swarm of bees came out and just started chasing us um my sister makes it into our house safe I trip on a rock and I fall and I was like, Melissa said, my sister says she saw the swarm of bees kind of do this like curve from the sky down to get me. Like when I say I was attacked by a hive, I like they all got me once I tripped and fell. And she just watched from the window as I got attacked. So I've had this like irrational fear, maybe rational. <laughs> If you That's have that very experience, rational fear. but like I, yes. like you know, when they would come in the classroom, it was always like such a moment in school. I was never allowed to right. do anything about it because I wasn't technically allergic. So I moved schools, sixth grade to seventh grade. I went to a new middle school across town, and I went in there saying that I was allergic because I wasn't <gasps> allowed to yeah. previous years because I knew I wasn't. Um, so from, <laughs> if you ask anyone from seventh grade. Till now, I'm allergic to bees, so then I can easily exit a room if there's a bee in there. And for her to use bees as a device in her sapphic horror book really yeah. made it extra spooky for me. Right. And then you become very hyper aware. I mean, I'm always, I feel like, hyper aware if there's a, a yellow jacket in my vicinity. But since finishing the book... There have been a few incidents with yellow jackets that will like not leave us yeah. alone. And and you don't want to swat at them because that makes them angrier. But then if you just ignore them, they don't leave you alone. So you either have to just like leave the area for such like a tiny little thing. But I've only been stung once as a kid and I remember it hurt a lot. Uh, but 
I, I don't know. Yeah, they, they do kind of creep me out. And then the other day, since I've been in Buffalo, I got into my sister's car and I closed the door <gasps> and there was like a yellow jacket in the car. No. And I was like, ah, and, you know, got it out. I'm like, ooh, that book. I'm never going to not associate yellow jackets uh, with anything but sapphic horror in New England. I know. And gothic mischief. Do you like how she was like, well, obviously because of wasps, like white Anglo-Saxon Protestant wasp. And I was like, oh, totally. And didn't realize at the time, probably because I was too consumed (laughs) with the fear of the presence of them on the page. Yeah. But I love that. So clever. So good. Layers. Yeah. Yeah. Layers of everything in this book. And... Uh, and Emily is just such a great person to talk to. So we hope everybody enjoys that. And again, go pick up a copy of Plain Bad Heroines. Speaking of, do we have a Plain Bad Heroine who has sent us a question? You know we do. This week's listener question is from a patron. So you know it was prioritized. But this patron has somewhat recently moved from a very rural an isolated place to a more urban area. That's just for context. (laughs) She writes, I've been on more dates in the past three months than I had while living at my last place, but they've yet to amount to anything. I keep hearing excuses like, it's too much with my new job and new apartment, or I thought this was something I wanted, but I don't think I can handle a new relationship right now. While I struggle with the body issues that many women face, I don't think I'm ugly, and I've been told that I have a charming personality. So I just have no idea why nothing is panning out for me. I'm fairly vocal about being gay and single, so it wouldn't take someone too long to put the pieces together that I'm the one for them. So this listener basically just wants to know kind of uh, what's the deal? You know, they thought that moving to a more urban populated place, that there were going to be more queer people and that they would finally be able to, you know, actually be in a queer relationship and it's harder than they thought it would be is what it sounds like and I can relate I said it many times before you all know that there was a time in Atlanta when I was single and there are so many gay people in Atlanta and I'm like I'm gonna go on so many dates and I could not find anyone yeah (laughs) it's kind of the reason I moved to Chicago right I was like I mean, we talked about the year 2009 a couple times for me on the interview portion. The year I came out, like that was the year I moved to Chicago. It was like, I just need to move to a city and figure out who I am and do what I want to do and be with who I want to be. But then it took years (laughs) to actually meet people in that way. So that's really relatable. I mean, three months isn't that long. Right. It takes time, like, when you're moving to a new city, and it sounds like this is something that you really want, like, you really want to have a girlfriend, and it's one of those things. I always think that when you're looking for it, it feels like it's impossible Mm -hmm. to achieve, and the second you don't want it anymore is when an opportunity just, like, smacks you in the face or that's when you'll find yourself in a situation to start dating someone. Maybe one thing to do is not necessarily go on dates and just try to make as many queer friends as possible and hang out with people as friends and get to know them as friends and see if then there's a spark there. 
and move from there. And that can be a lot easier than going on a bunch of blind dates or just like meeting people for the first time and having all these expectations or, you know, getting these excuses from people. Whereas if you're just hanging out, you know, if you're joining um, rec leagues or something, trivia, doing trivia with gay people and uh, getting to know each other and everything, then it'll be like a little bit easier to know what the deal is if there is chemistry between you and someone else and pursuing it that way. Yeah. I think the goal should be just tapping into the community first before going on all these like isolated one-on-one dates. And then love will find you. Best of luck. And as always, report back if you have an update. And if you have a question for us, you can send it to dykingout at gmail.com. And you can follow us on social media at Diking Out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and at Diking Out Pod on TikTok. You can follow me where I've been posting uh, pictures of me as a child that I'm finding in my mom's house where I have serious dyke energy man there's one where i'm doing like the butch sit like my knees couldn't be further apart uh another one where i'm wearing these dyke spreading shorts that have like a colorful uh print on it but they go to like my knees just these long shorts it's so dykey oh, so, so i'll be you have access i'm saving these. them up yeah i'm saving up these photos and i'll be spreading them out on thursdays and uh, yeah, at TGI Carolyn for that. Cool. I got to schedule a trip home just to collect some TBTs. Until then, you can follow me in my current goings on at Melody Kamali. And thank you for diking out with us this week. We hope you come back again next week if you're not too spooked. See you next Tuesday. <gasps> Melody. What? I think that's better than be kind to one another. I know we've been really enjoying stealing, be kind to one another, but we've had our fun. See you next Thursday. But something feels dirtier about be kind to one another than what see you next Tuesday might stand for to some people. (laughs) See you next Tuesday is perfect. All right. Well, it's settled. We'll see you next Tuesday. All right. See you next Tuesday. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.